Okay. <clears throat> well, we all have our, our daily routines, right? Our daily rhythms of life. You know, get up in the morning and brush your teeth and eat your breakfast and drink your coffee or your tea and um, <clears throat> take a shower, get ready for the day, go to work eat lunch, right? We just kind of have these basic rhythms in life, hopefully in there somewhere. You're reading the scripture, praying, praying, spending time with God. We have these, we have these rhythms of life, and then we have rhythms in our week too. So, you know, on Monday, I, I go to my other job. On Tuesday, I work from home. On Wednesday, I go to my other job. So I've kind of got these rhythms established in my life, and we all have these, these kind of rhythms that go on in our lives. But sometimes rhythms can kind of get interrupted, and I feel like my rhythms have been interrupted recently because I've just been like constantly sick, I feel like, for the past like several weeks. The big praise this morning for me, or praise yesterday, was that I don't have bronchitis. Because I was a little bit worried about where I was yesterday. So I went into the doctor and, you know, they said, they checked me out. So you're doing fine. You've got, you know, the, yeah, yeah, you got problems, but you don't have bronchitis. So praise God for that. All right. But so because of that, it's kind of upset my routine. And part of my routine was getting up in the morning and trying to run on the elliptical for 20 minutes. I try to get some exercise in. And when you feel like junk and you know you need to get rest, that kind of goes by the wayside. So aspects of your routine and of your rhythm of life kind of get interrupted in some ways, right? So as I've been thinking about this, this message, it's going to be on the topic of spiritual gifts. And as part of the series of Receiving Grace, Extending Grace, and we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, so you could go ahead and turn there if you want to get started with that. I decided it would be, it'd be good to spend the first 10 or 15 minutes or so of the message just kind of rehashing the overall big ideas of the series, of this theme of receiving grace and extending grace. Pastor John has been preaching in 1 Corinthians. He's recently gone through chapter 12, chapter 13, for a lot of the topics of the spiritual gifts and the purpose of the spiritual gifts and, and their goal and loving each other, edifying. So I don't necessarily feel the pressure to say everything about spiritual gifts that I need to. It's been covered really well. So I thought it'd be good to maybe again spend the first 10 or 15 minutes um, discussing again what's the, what's the big idea of the whole series, which is this receiving grace, extending grace. And, and one of the ways that I've been thinking about this is as a, as a pattern, as a rhythm of the Christian life. That just like we have daily rhythms, daily patterns, that, in, that the life of the Christian would be characterized, and our lives and the lives of our church would be characterized by a pattern, a rhythm of receiving grace and extending grace. Receiving grace is how we become Christians. This is how we become believers. This is how we're saved, as I just talked about in communion. Jesus uh, came, he was the gift of, of pure grace. He died on the cross, he rose again, and we when we believe in him, we receive salvation. We receive the fullness of God's grace and salvation. Amen for that? That's, that's what makes us believers, and that's what makes us a church, is that we are a people who are shaped by that identity, who are, that is our identity, is in Jesus, in his death and in his resurrection, and we get to participate in that. It's awesome. But then I also want us to see, and I want us to see that this is also a, a pattern of not just what it means to become a believer, but what it means to walk as a believer, in that we are always 
going, turning towards God, and turning towards God, God in faith, and, and receiving from him the grace, that is, that is turning our eyes towards him and, and receiving what he has given us in, in his word, in prayer, in the fellowship of believers, in all these ways, these are, these are things that God has put in our lives to help make us more like him. And then what does it mean to be more like him? Part of what it means to be more like him is just as he has given us grace, we give grace to other people. We love God in praise for what he's done, and we love each other in, in service, in generosity, um, in showing mercy, and we talked about all these different kinds of ways that we do that, right? Just as we've been shown mercy, we show mercy. Just as we've received generosity, we share with others who are in need. And as we're going to talk about today, God has given us gifts, and we have a responsibility and a mission to use those gifts to build others up. So that's the pattern of the Christian life. Makes sense? But just like our daily rhythms can get interrupted, there are certain ways that this pattern of the Christian life can get interrupted. And so I kind of want to go through uh, a few ways that we can, we can get mixed up here. Three on the receive grace side and three on the extend grace side. The first one we look at it is this. Why, why would we fail? What's a way that it could get interrupted, receiving grace? We could just get too distracted. We just forget about the amazing, incredible gifts that God has given us, and we get caught up in our own lives and in our own, um, our own lives apart from God. C.S. Lewis, our own, our own sort of desires. C.S. Lewis has a good, a good quote, I think, that fits here. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of holiday at sea. We, We trade in, we're too distracted by the worries of this world, the deceptiveness of wealth, Jesus might say to really be in tune with what it means to live in the life of Jesus. That's one way that we could fail. Another is this. We have the idea that I earned it. That yes, uh, there's all these good things, blessings coming to me, but in some sense, we can get this sense that I've earned it. It's mine. We forget that it's grace. We forget that nothing is earned. That it's all a gift from God that he gives to us. So if we have this mindset of I earned it, we're going to fail to receive grace because we're not going to recognize it as grace. We'll think it's ours by right in some sense. Okay? This was a warning to Israel. God said, you're going to, I'm going to take you into the land. They were in the wilderness. I'm going to take you into the land. And in the land, you're going to find, like, there are all these people living there that God had driven out. So you're going to find cities there you didn't build. You're going to find, um, you're going to find crops there that you didn't plant. You're going to find fruit trees that you didn't plant, and you're just going to go into the land, and it's going to be great. And then Moses says, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start thinking in your mindset, it was because of me that I did all these things. It was my work. It's because we were so good that we get all this stuff. And, and, and Moses says, as soon as you forget that, you're forgetting God, and you're going to fall into idolatry and all kinds of sin. And that's exactly what happened. Why? Because they, they failed to see that it was grace. They thought they earned it. Or third, you just reject it. Why would somebody reject such a good gift? Well, we see that the Pharisees rejected the gift of Jesus. Uh, they considered it, they, he wasn't what they were expecting, or he, he broke 
their, uh, their own power structure, right? They, he was a threat to them, and so they rejected him. So God can offer you this great gift. You can even recognize it as a great gift, and you could for still, for some reason, reject it. If, if the root of receiving grace, if the way that we receive grace is by faith, the way that we reject grace is by a lack of faith. It is by a doubt. It is by seeing, considering, oh, it's, it's not that good. It's not that valuable. It's, it's not worthwhile or even viewing it with disdain. But whatever it might be, we could fail by just rejecting the grace that God gives to us. Now, if the problem, if one of the problems is we're too distracted, the solution would be focus on God. Right? It's un- intentionally on purpose, spend time focusing on God. If the idea is that I earned it, then the solution there is to remember that it is all by God's grace. Maybe consider the cross and realize that it, it was a gift right from God to you. And if, that's, if the problem is rejecting it, then the answer is receiving by faith. So that's the one side, one, one sort of way in this rhythm that we could fail here. Now let's take a look at the extend grace side. One is, okay, now we've received grace, and so we're to extend it. One is just inaction. I'm not going to extend it on. There's, Jesus tells the parable of the talents, and he gives ten talents to one servant, or the king goes off and he gives ten talents to one servant, and he gives five talents to another, and he gives one talent to a third. He says, okay, guys, put it to work. I'm coming back. And the king goes away, and he comes back, and he says, now tell me what you did with those talents, or big chunks of money. Bags of gold. What did you do with that? And the first guy says, I I had 10 and I earned 10 more. And the next guy says, I had five and I earned five more. And the third guy says, I had one and I buried it in the ground because I knew that you are a harsh master and I was afraid of what you were going to do. And the king says, you wicked and foolish servant. You could have at least put it in the bank and earned a little bit of interest. And the man is judged by his inaction. Because he had received, he, he was a steward of a, of a chunk of money and he had done nothing with it. He didn't trust really his, the king as being good, so there was maybe a lack of faith there. But then even having received it, he did nothing with it. So we can fail when we fall into inaction. We fall into inaction. Um, <clears throat> the next thing is this. We do it, we do act, but we do it in order to earn love. In other words, we, we sort of have this mindset that God has saved us in Jesus. I'm saved now, but really the rest of my Christian life is up to me. And now I have to go on sort of confirming that I've earned that to begin with. And so we act in a way to try to earn love or earn favor from God. But this is that, right? We didn't earn it at the beginning. We can't earn it later. It's grace all the way throughout. We do act, but not to receive more grace from Jesus, but because we have received. We don't act in order to get love from Jesus, because, but because he already loves us. We act out of love, not in order to earn love. Make sense? Um, uh, Trevin Wax, um, <clears throat> he said it like this in a recent podcast. He said, grace, finish what, uh, grace finishes what grace starts. So if it was grace that started our salvation, it is grace that finishes our salvation. It is God working within us. We don't need to try to earn God's favor. He already loves us. We act out of that love in our action. And then the third way that maybe we could fail is that we act, but we act in such a way 
for ourselves, not to bring some sort of glory, uh, some sort of approval for our, ourselves. Um, we, may, we are like the foolish farmer, another parable of Jesus, but the man gets a big bumper crop and he says to himself, I should tear down my barns and build bigger barns so that I can just all this goodness have for myself till I die. It's a security for him or so he thinks. And that very, that very night in the parable, his, his life is taken from him. But he had received a grace of God. Was it his good doing that got his big bumper crop? No, it was maybe extra special rain, whatever it might be. He had received a grace, and he could have extended that. There were plenty of poor people to whom he could have given that to. But instead, he used it for himself. So we fail when we act only for ourselves and not for others. And again, we'll see this as we get to the First Peter passage. Okay? So again, let's go back to solutions. Right? If the, if the problem is inaction, then I think the right problem is grace-fueled action. We're acting and we're fueled, we're empowered by grace. If the problem is that we do it to earn love, then I think the response to that is we have grace-inspired action. That is grace working within us. It inspires us to action. There's motivation for action. And if the problem is we do this for ourselves, then the response is that we should have a grace-giving action or a grace-extending action. That is, we are always in the Christian life is always to an important degree, outward focused, away from ourselves, away from ourselves in pointing us to God and away from ourselves in pointing us to others. So, make sense? So, so that I, again, I just kind of wanted to rehash, review some of these things and say this is a pattern in the Christian life and, and just like my pattern got mixed up with my sickness, maybe there's a sort of sickness in our own spiritual health that we need to take temperature every once in a while and say what, what's, what's the right answer here? to, to rock, walk more fully with Jesus, okay? Now, let's get to 1 Peter. Let's pray, and then we'll read our passage. Father God, as we enter into uh, an exposition of your word, and I try and understand of your word this morning, I pray that you will give us the insight to be able to understand it. And Lord, I pray that you will protect me from saying things that are false or wrong and, and bringing judgment on myself, Lord. I need, I need your grace. And, and just guide us together as a church. Help us know how to love one another. As you have apportioned grace to us, help us know how to use that to love and to serve others. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First Peter chapter 4. Start, we're going to start in verse 7 to get a little context here. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back real briefly to verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
Let's unpack that a little bit. Number one, use your gift to serve others. Pretty straightforward. Let's dig into this a little bit more. The first point I want to make is this. Each of you has received a gift. Each of you has received a gift. Each of you. I really believe that anybody who is a a follower of Jesus right now, that God has given you some gift, some way of building up the body, some special ability or, or talent or insight or disposition, something about yourself. God has uniquely empowered you with a gift. So each of you has received. So what what you have within you is not something that you have earned or not something that um, is inherent to you necessarily as a person or, or something that you get credit for having. Now you might say, what about things like a, like a natural ability. There are some people that have a natural ability towards certain things. Say, yes, that's true, but where did they get this natural ability? All natural abilities come from the maker of nature, the maker of our nature, so from God himself. So if God has put in you a natural ability, who gets the credit? God gets the credit. And you might say, what about certain skills that I've, that I've practiced or, or knowledge that I've earned through hard study? I'd say, yes, that's great. I, I'm I'm glad that you have done that, but who gave you the opportunities for study? Who gave you the opportunities for learning that skill? Who gave you a desire to learn that skill? Who gave you uh, the the mind that could comprehend and that could understand or the the body that could make it work? It's all coming from God. And so even if you say, well, yes, I've done some work in contribution towards this I'd say yes, in a sense, we all work and contribute alongside with what, what God is doing in ourselves, right? But, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's still a gift. Because God is our maker. He is the one who puts us in certain situations and circumstances. He gives us the ability, even hard work. God gives us the capacity for hard work. All of this is pointing us back to God. And it's a gift. I think that there's something special in salvation that happens with those. There's some sort of sanctifying work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives that can take a natural ability or that can take a practice skill and it can direct it towards the building up of the body of Christ. That, it's, that also is a gift from God. Okay? So each of you has received a gift. And now it says a gift. This puzzled me for a little bit. Why does it say a gift? Does it mean that everyone has just, everybody just has one? And, uh, and some of the commentaries I said said everybody has received at least a gift. So everybody has at least a gift. I could certainly look at Paul, and Paul had received many gifts. You know, apostleship, teaching, evangelism. But Paul's got a bunch of gifts, and I can look at other people and say they seem to have a lot of gifts. So the commentaries I said everybody has received at, at least a gift, right? At least one. But I'd also want to point out and say, there's something freeing about this for me. And that is to know that there's nobody that's received all the gifts. Or at least I know that I haven't received all of the gifts. And so each individual within the body is not responsible for everything that happens. I am not responsible for everything. John is not responsible for everything. You're not responsible for everything. But you are responsible responsible to use the gift that God has given you. But we are not independent. We are dependent upon one another. We are interdependent with one another. We need each other. 
And for me, that can be a freeing thing to know I don't have all the gifts, and that's okay. And you don't have all the gifts, and that's okay. God has put you in community. That's how God has designed it. Okay, so each of you has received a gift or some set of gifts. Number two, your gift is a form. It is a form of God's grace, that it is a form of God's, of God's favor. Again, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the grace, the gift that you received is a form. It is one way that God manifests his favor in your life or his unmerited gifting in your life is through the spiritual gift. Third, then, you are a steward. So we are a steward of that gift that God has given you. A steward is different than an owner. An owner has totally free reign about what they want to do with their resources. We are not owners of these gifts. We are stewards of these gifts. In my other job as a project manager, I am a steward. At the beginning of the project, I get a certain budget, and I, I am a steward of that budget. I, there are certain goals that I'm supposed to accomplish with that budget. I do, I'm not free to use that budget on whatever I want. I can't write myself a check and walk away, right? That's not how it works. I, can't, I, can't, I mean, it physically can't do it. There's no mechanism. But, but the principle is I have got a, I've got a budget that I'm supposed to do something with, and I'm not totally free in that. And likewise, we're not totally free in how we use our gifts. We, we have a, a mission, a goal, a purpose, a project to use with those gifts that God has given. We are stewards of that. We're not owners. Okay? And we are called to use that gift. So again, back to the parable of the talents. We're not supposed to just take that and sit on our hands. Thank you for giving me that, God. And we do nothing with it and we bury it in the ground. No, we're supposed to use that in some way. Right? This is avoiding the, the error of inaction. If I just took the budget in my other job and I didn't then go try to find engineers to work it and I didn't try to figure out you know, details about what was supposed to be done and I never delivered anything at the end of the day, I'd get fired. I need to act on what I've been given as a steward of. And then, uh, fifth year, you are called to use that to serve others. So, we are supposed to use it. There's some sort of action. What is the action that we're supposed to do with it? We're supposed to use it to serve others as stewards of the grace that God has given us. So, God gives us grace. We're stewards of that action. And what's the goal of that? Building others up. And John talked about this in, in 1 Corinthians. We talked about, right? Some people receive the gifts of tongues, and some people receive the gifts of prophecy. The prophecy is intelligent speech about what, right, foretelling about what God has, has told us to say, and one is intelligible and one's unintelligible. So one, it might be beneficial to the person who has it, but the other is beneficial to the body. And so eagerly desire the greater gifts, eagerly the desire the gifts that build up the body. So we, we try to build each other up. That is the purpose, that's the goal of why God has given us these gifts. So that's number one. Use your gifts to serve others. Okay, now let's look and read verse 11. <clears throat> if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So we see two categories. Now, some of the grace lists that we see, or the gift lists that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for instance, that we see in Romans chapter 12, 
that we see in Ephesians chapter 4, it specifies a bigger list. Here, Peter just puts this into two categories. He's got speech and he's got service. So let's take a look first at speech. Our big idea here for this verse is this. Act as though God is acting through you. Act as though God is acting through you. So let's take a look in in speech. Now, what does this mean? This is a tricky verse, I think. And this is one of the most terrifying verses for preachers, by the way. But for anybody who speaks in a way that they're uh, representing God in some sense, okay? It's It's not just about preaching. But again, it says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Does that mean I can come up here and I can say, hey guys, I'm speaking the very words of God and feel confident that I'm speaking the very words of God? I don't have that confidence, all right? But if we are speaking or we're called to speak, if you have a gift where you're speaking in evangelism or, or just encouragement or something like that, you are speaking in a certain way. I think we're speaking as ambassadors. Right? We're called ambassadors of Jesus. We're, we're ambassadors. That is, in, in a sense, when we are speaking in this way, we are representing God in a sense. And so because of that, we are, we're bringing with us a certain weight, a certain seriousness, a certain aiming for accuracy and correctness in what we are saying because we are understanding who we are representing. So if you're speaking, know that it is, it is, it is God that is acting through you or is speaking through you as you try to represent him as an ambassador, as someone who speaks on his behalf. I don't have freedom when I get up here and speak to say whatever I want. I am not attempting to represent myself. I am attempting to represent God to to you all. That's weighty. I'm scared saying that a little bit, but that's what 1 Peter seems to be getting at here. So there's an encouragement. If you have a speaking, if you have a speaking gift in some sense, if you speak and are representing God, your words have weight. They have a weight. Now, they have an authority even, maybe you could say. Now, not in the same way that Jesus' words had authority. Jesus' words had authority because he had authority in his person. He had independent authority. Words I'm speaking right now don't have authority because I have authority. It's borrowed. It's because I'm trying to be faithful to the text of Scripture right now. But in in speaking in this way, there is an authority to the words, not to the speaker, but to the words because they point back to the one who is ultimately speaking, which is God, okay? So there's an encouragement here. There is a reminder, and that is this. Again, if you are speaking as an ambassador in this sense, they're not your words. Just like I'm a steward of the gift, I'm a steward of the words. I'm a steward of the word. And so I'm not totally free with what I say or don't say, I am bound towards to Christ, to God who speaks. And then there is a warning. You better get it right. If you get up and you are proclaiming and you are saying, I am speaking on behalf of God, I am representing God right now, don't misrepresent God. This is why I think it says not many of you should want to be teachers. Because you're going to be held to a higher standard. Because you are presuming that you are speaking in some sense on behalf of God. Again, with fear and trembling that we speak this way, but it's a gift that God has given us to use for his glory, okay? So we speak on behalf of God. We are speaking as though it were God speaking through us. 
Now let's take a look at the service side of things. Service side of things. Again, there's an encouragement. What I'll, again, I'll read the verse just to remind us. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So okay, there's an encouragement. You are empowered. God is giving you strength to, to use the gift to serve others. If your gift is more in this sort of serving capacity, know this. God is giving you a strength to do this. And God called Moses. Moses rejected for a little while. I don't want to do this. But God, God empowered Moses to do it. God empowered Moses to serve in the way that he wanted to serve. And so in this case, I mean, he gave him some really practical, he gave him a staff that could turn into a snake. He gave him miraculous things. We wouldn't necessarily have that. But nevertheless, a power that comes from God, it's a power that comes from God. And you, if you've been put in a service role, God is empowering you to do that role. So be encouraged. There is a reminder that it's not your strength. It's not your strength that makes this happen. It's God's strength. And so there's we, we, don't, we should not try to just do things in our own strength. This is God that is working through us. And then there is a warning, if empowered, don't squander it. Again, back to the problem of inaction, right? God has empowered you to do things. If God has filled you with power to do something, to serve in some way, you think he wants you to serve in that way? Do it. Don't squander it. Use the gifts that God has given you. Use that power that God is strengthening you with. All right. <clears throat> Now let's read verse, the second half of verse 11. Why are we doing this? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. There's a little doxology that Paul puts at the end. So the third point of our message today is this. Serve so that God is praised. Serve so that God is praised. All glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God. It doesn't come to me. It goes to the one who gives all things. Glory in all the things that we do. So glory in the, in the public, obvious gifts, but glory in the small gifts as well, in the ones that are, that are more hidden, that are out of sight. God gets glory through those things as well. And, and maybe you're doing something and, and nobody sees you. And you think, how could, get, how could God get glory out of things that nobody seems to see? But God can get glory out of that too. And God's going to reward what's done in secret is going to get rewarded in secret by your Father in heaven. Amen? So God gets glory in all things. It doesn't have to be public. Private, he gets glory in that as well. And then glory through Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus that we receive these gifts. Now God is the giver of the gifts. These are spiritual gifts. They're gifts of the Spirit. But it's Jesus is the one who gives. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, to each of us grace. To each of us grace. Again, these, are, these gifts are a form of God's grace. To each of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Jesus, he raises victorious. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He has conquered over sin and death. And what does he do? He establishes his people, the church, and he gives them grace. He gives them gifts. And the purpose of those is the building up of the body to bring glory back to the Father. Amen? As we just kind of conclude, I just, I just want to bring us back to a few big ideas. And the first is this. We need to 
you need to, we all need to receive life from Jesus, right? If you've never been saved, if you've never put your hope or your trust in him, do that today. Receive salvation. That is the act of grace that you receive that uh, opens us up to the full life that Jesus has to offer us, to the eternal life that he has to offer us. So get your life from Jesus. We can't, there is no other place that we can go to get that kind of life. There's simply no other place. Everything is a gift. I think if we, could, if we could really understand the nature of our good God and Father, if we could understand God the Father, that he gives good gifts to his children, that he delights in sending mercy to his children, that he delights in giving gifts to his children, and if we saw all those good things that we received as gifts, it would radically change our mindsets, including our mindsets about our gifts. And so use your gift then as a, service, as a, as a steward, not an owner. And then as we receive these good gifts, whether it's a spiritual gift, whether it's, whether it's mercy, whether it's um, financial well-being, these things ought to overflow in our lives. And as they overflow, they get to overflow into other people's lives. That's the pattern of the Christian life. God gives us good things, and, and, and we, we are called to recognize those good things that he has given us as gifts. And as we recognize them as gifts, we say, how then do I bring glory back to God? And I bring glory back to God by loving my neighbor. It's really pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. But it, it, it's tough to get right. And we need the grace of God to get it right in our lives. All right? So let's, let's pray. Father God, our aim is to bring you glory. You deserve the glory. Because you are the giver of all good things. You are the creator. We are nothing without you. In fact, we're under judgment without you. Without you, Jesus. Without your work in our lives. So we thank you so much that you loved us so much. God, you would send your son and that Jesus, you would die on the cross for our sins and that spirit, you would, you would work in our lives so that we can recognize that gift and receive it by faith. Help us bring all glory back to you. Help us to love one another well in this church and beyond. Love our neighbors as ourselves. Continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for our final song. Amen. Praise his name forever. Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming and invite you to stay for a fellowship time for coffees and cookies. Coffees? Yeah. I guess you could have more than one coffee, I suppose. Okay. Um, you're dismissed.